You may be seated. Today, I want to remind you, uh, Growth Track will begin again next week. It takes place during this service, right over there in the chapel. And we would like everybody to go through, whether you've been here three weeks or 33 years, first session on knowing God, finding freedom, finding your purpose and making a difference. Just phenomenal. And then uh, we are, are working in collaboration with over 300 churches in West Michigan in the Renew. And uh, this Thursday, right here, Francis Chan is going to be here at seven o'clock. Doors open at six. And uh, it's going to be an absolutely phenomenal night. Uh, after Francis Chan, Phil Wickham's going to be doing a worship concert. Uh, going to be absolutely fabulous. You can get free tickets at reslife.org backslash cityfest. So uh, if you're interested, please get online, do that. Now we're in a series of messages. We're kind of going verse by verse through part of Proverbs. We're going to jump right in Proverbs 23 verses 10 and 11. It says, don't move the ancient boundary stone or encroach on the field of the fatherless for their defender is strong. He takes up their cause against you. I think you know this, but there is nothing that's unseen. What you think is unseen, God sees. When you confess your sins to God, that is not when he found out about them. I mean, he, he not only knows what we do, he sees the motive. He sees the intent of our heart. And what the Bible is telling us here is there's always justice. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. And we tend to think because I do something on Thursday and I don't see payday on Friday that it's not going to happen. But God does not always pay on Friday. But God always pays. He always pays. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you'll also reap. In fact, in Revelation 22, now this is, this is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's my favorite because it's the last one. And I don't know how often you get there, but it's important to read this chapter once in a while because we win. We, we, we literally, we, we win. And, and Jesus is talking here and listen to what he says. He said, behold, I'm coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. In fact, I want you to turn to the person next to you on your right and say works. Now the person on your left and say works. Now listen, you do not get saved by good works. You cannot save yourself by works. Can't be done. But you will be rewarded for your good works. One modern translation of this says, I love this. Jesus said, I'm coming quickly. And he says, and my paycheck is in my hand to give to everyone according to his works. So Jesus, Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter six. He said, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's saying the things that you do now you will cause you to be rewarded when you get in heaven. Now, in uh, Revelation chapter 20, this is just a few chapters before the end of the Bible. It talks about what, what theologians call the, this great white throne judgment. Now, I want you to listen. It says, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books, books 
plural, were opened and another book, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. And the sea gave up the dead that were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead that were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, which is a second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So first of all, it says you're going to be judged according to what's written in the books, plural. Theologians call these the books of works because your works are written in the books and you're going to be rewarded based on what is found in the books, plural. But then there's another book and it's the book of life. And it says anyone who's not found written in that book is cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death that we refer to as hell. So your good works won't get you into heaven, but you will be rewarded for your good works. The only way to have your name written in the book of life is to give your life to Jesus, to receive what he has done for you. So basically, what is going to happen to every Christian is you're going to say, well, every person is going to stand before God. And the first question, every person will individually answer before God. When you were in school, occasionally there were pop quizzes. How many remember pop quiz? You know, they just sneak one up on you. But then sometimes they would say there's going to be a quiz. And here's the questions and here's the answers. That's kind of what God does here. All right. He said, no, there's going to be a, there's going to be a test. When you die, you stand before God. There's going to be a test. And here's the first question. Now, this may not be the exact words, but this is what the question is going to entail. Because there's, there's just two questions. And the first question is, what did you do with Jesus? That's the first question. Now, if you answer that question right, I gave my life to Jesus. I live for him. Then there's going to be a second question that you're going to have to answer. And that is going to be, what did you do for Jesus, for the kingdom of God, for people with your time, your talent, and your treasure. What did you do to serve others? You know, what most people, most Christians, this is what we think. Because this is what religion, all religions are like this. All religions are what we would just have to say, they're, they're, they're vertical. In other words, it's about you and God. Uh, God's up there in most religions and, and God's mad and you got to do something to appease God and it's just vertical and even in Christianity people think well Christianity is just my relationship with God it's not it is not that is not what Christianity is not at all in fact a, a lawyer a teacher comes to Jesus and 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 and, and says teacher rabbi uh, what is the greatest commandment now you and I, we tend to just think about 10 commandments, but actually there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament, 613. And this guy's like, okay, he's trying to really trick Jesus. He's like, which is the greatest? So Jesus answers his question and listen how Jesus answers the question. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second's like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus said there's, there's two commandments that, are, that take care of all 613. Love God, but then love your neighbor. 
Because you love God, you love your neighbor. You love your neighbor. So, so what Jesus is saying is our relationship with God is not just this vertical thing. When we love God, we're supposed to be loving our neighbor. Now, all through the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, it calls what we do then, it calls it good works. Good works. Now, there's not just one judgment in heaven. There's that first question that everybody's going to answer. And some people fail. And if they fail, they don't even get to that second question. In fact, the Bible says in Psalms 1, he said, therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. In other words, there is this separate judgment that Christians are going to go through. Now, I, I suppose most of us have seen a class picture, but it might be a long time since you've seen a class picture. Uh, how many have at least seen a family portrait, you know, of your family? If it's a family portrait or, or there's a class picture, what's the first thing you look for? You know, you look for yourself. And if you look good, it's a good picture. <laughs> if you look bad, it's a bad picture. Now, right here in 1 Corinthians, this is one of the parts of the New Testament, there, there is a picture where you are going to be in the future. You are going to be there. And so we're, we're going to kind of like take a, a peek at what's going to happen. And remember, you are going to be there. Now, it talks about building on the foundation of Jesus, building on your Christian faith. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay or straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. So what it's saying is this, that when you stand before God, God's going to take all of your works and he's going to put them on an altar. They can be wood, hay, or stubble. How many of you know what happens to uh, hay and stubble when you put fire to it? It just burns up. Same thing with wood. But then it says your works can be gold, silver, or precious stones. They pass through fire. So your works are going to go on this altar and God is going to put the fire of the Holy Ghost on it. And everything that you did for yourself, because you're selfish, is going to burn up. But everything you did because you love God, you love his kingdom, and you wanted to, 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 to show God's love by serving people, for everything that you did for those reasons, it's going to be like gold, silver, and precious stones. And you will receive a reward. You'll receive a reward because you did those things. Now, I know there's a lot of talk nowadays about social justice, but listen, social justice without spiritual justice is just injustice. In other words, if we fill somebody's belly, but we don't give them spiritual truth, it's not really justice at all. When we do something, we are supposed to do good works. We're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, but we're supposed to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when you do it that way, the Bible says you'll receive a reward. Now listen, if anyone's work which he has built upon, it endures, he'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as through the fire. So in other words, there are people and I don't want any of you to be these people. 
who when you stand before God and your works go on that altar, every single thing will burn up because you just live for yourself. That's all you did was live for yourself. He said, you'll be saved, you'll go to heaven. But listen, heaven is not a government housing project. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place. He said, in my father's house are many mansions. If that were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He's preparing, but he prepares as you send material. And if you're not sending anything, the Bible says there will be people who will suffer loss. They'll be saved. They'll end up in heaven, but they will have no reward whatsoever. That's why the Bible all through the New Testament is constantly talking about as Christians do good works, that they see your good works and glorify your father who is in heaven. So you will be rewarded. Now, there's things that can 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 literally like take us off path, take us off mission. Jesus mentions in Mark 4, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desire for other things come in, choke the word, it becomes unfruitful. You know, we need to be careful that we do not let the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world, the desire for other things become our focus and we don't do what we're supposed to be doing as, as born again believers. Remember, Christianity is not just something that has to do with you and God. It's something that has to do with you and God and others. Your neighbor, it is supposed to be expressed. Now in Hebrews chapter six, it's talking about the fundamental doctrines of Christianity. And in verse two, it says the doctrine of baptisms. Oh, we just had some. The resurrection of the dead. And it says of eternal judgment eternal judgment. Now, I think it's really interesting the number of people that believe in an eternal heaven, but do not believe in an eternal hell. But this, listen to what Jesus says, Matthew 25, 46. And these will go to everlasting punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. The word everlasting that's used for punishment and the word eternal that's used for life in the Greek, they're the same word. In other words, we can't have an eternal heaven if we don't have an eternal place of punishment. Jesus talked about both of them in the exact same verse. Now, just to kind of set you at ease, as a believer, when you stand before God, you're not going to be judged or punished for your sin if you're a believer. Because your sin was already paid for. I think, I'll, how many of you know my ketchup story? I'm going to tell my ketchup story a minute. Some of you want to hear it. I want to hear it again myself. Here we go. So, so several years ago, uh, I was eating lunch with a, a, a businessman from, from church here, uh, about three, four miles down 44th Street in, at a restaurant, and I had a steak. Now, some of you know this about me, but I don't drink except for ketchup. I mean, like, I like ketchup. I like ketchup a lot. And when I have a steak, I like to put ketchup on my steak. But, but not like a Presbyterian. You know, they just sprinkle a little bit. See, I like ketchup like a Baptist, fully immersed, you know? So I'm putting ketchup on my steak and I'm eating my steak and, and Jeannie's been trying to break me of this habit for 42 years. And it just, it's not working. 
She says, I need deliverance, but I don't want any. So I don't know what we're going to do. All right. So, so afterwards, I, 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 you know, wave over the waitress and I ask for the bill. And she, she points across the restaurant a ways and says, that, that guy over there, he paid your bill. And I look at him and, and I'm like, I don't recognize this guy. And, and he sees her point and me looking and he comes up and he c- grabs his wallet and he brings his card and he says, I'm the high ketchup salesman. <laughs> he says, I- I've never seen anyone enjoy ketchup as much as you do. You know, we talk for a minute. He says, what do you do? And I said, well, I pastor a church just right down the street. You know, why don't you come on Sunday? So he comes Sunday and gets saved. Now, Jeannie, just just a couple months ago, Jeannie and I were preaching in Rockford and uh, he came up after the service and he's, I'm that ketchup man. You remember me, don't you? I says, I'll never forget you. You're awesome. Now, now listen. Okay. He paid for our meal. So what that meant was we didn't need to pay. It was on him. Jesus paid for your meal. Jesus paid for your sin. And because he paid for your sin, you will not have to pay for your sin. There will not be a judgment for your sin, but there will be a judgment to reward you, to reward you for all the things that you've done because you love God, you love people, you love the kingdom of God. All right. Like Jesus said, let them see your good works that they may glorify your father who is in heaven. Do what you do in Jesus name because you love God, because you love people. Jesus literally, when it comes to this eternal eternity, heaven, hell, Jesus literally rips back the veil. And by the way, 90% of all that we know theologically about hell, we know because Jesus told us. That's why we know Jesus told us. But in Luke 16, Jesus just kind of rips back the veil. So let me just read a, a few verses here. It says, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple, fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. Now, this is not a parable. Jesus doesn't give names to people in parables. This is an actual account. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate. Desiring to be fed from the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom or Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and he saw Lazarus afar off at Abraham's side. And he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me because I'm in torment in this flame. And send Lazarus, and he would just put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Now, I want you to notice, the Bible says that Lazarus died. His body died. But the Bible says the angels carried him. Someday, if Jesus tarries, your body, my body, they'll wear out and they'll die. But when your body wears out, the real you that lives on the inside of that body is going to step out. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3 that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. See, the real you is going to step out. And when the real you steps out instantly, you're going to be carried by angels, at least two. And they're going to take you to one of two places. Now, the, the, the eternity, 
The spiritual realm is not like taking a vacation where you've got a thousand destinations. It's possibilities. Now, when, when your body wears out and you step into the spiritual realm, there's only two places to go. There's a place of torment and there's a place of rest and comfort. There's a hell and there's a heaven. Now, when, when Lazarus' body wore out, the real Lazarus stepped out and angels carried him. The real you lives inside your body. And when the body wears out, the real you will step out. Now, you'll notice it says that the rich man, he's in Hades, he's in torment, he lifts up his eyes, he sees Lazarus and Abraham, he recognizes both of them. By the way, when you get to heaven, you recognize people, you know that, right? And, and he says, let him put the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I'm in torment in these flames. Now, his body is in a tomb. The Bible says he died and was buried. So he says, this is just a story. This is not a story. This is just a story. This is a fact. This is something that actually took place. Now, the Bible says this way. First Corinthians chapter 15 says there is a natural body. Everybody clap. Natural body. But there is a spiritual body. You don't just have a natural body. You have a spiritual body. You, you're a hybrid being. What that means is you can move in, in this natural realm, in your natural body. But you're also a spiritual being. First Corinthians, First Thessalonians 5.23 says that you are spirit, soul, and body. John, John chapter 4, Jesus said God is a spirit. All right? God's a spirit. Now, does God have a body? Everybody go like this. Okay? God has a body. Moses said, God, I won't see your glory. God put him in a cave, put his hand over the cave, went by and took his hand off and Moses saw his back. Does he have a body? Yeah, he has a body. Hebrews chapter 1 says that angels are spirits. Do angels have bodies? Yeah. They're not physical bodies. They're spiritual bodies. You have a physical body you're living in right now, but your spirit that lives on the inside also has a body. Now, notice he lifted up his eyes. He saw Lazarus had put the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue. Listen, if you have a finger, how many of you know you have a hand? If you got a hand, you have an arm. He said, put it on my tongue. How many if you have a tongue, you have a mouth. You have a mouth, you have a head. If you have a head, it sits on the body. See, there, there is a natural physical body that you live in right now. But inside there, there is the real you. There's a spirit. And that spirit also has a spiritual body. And it's able to perceive pain and pleasure and enjoyment just as much as your physical body does. So, so what Jesus is teaching us here is that, that God set eternity in our hearts. That when your physical body dies, it's not the end. There is a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. Jesus said both of them, they're eternal. They're eternal. In other words, you, you don't die and then negotiate. No, 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 no. When you die instantly, you're sealed. You are right with God or you're not right with God. Well, somebody says, oh, you know, that heaven, it doesn't even sound that good to me. And I've had people say, I just assume go to hell. All my friends are going to be there. It's because you're stupid. That's why. Now, listen, 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 listen. The, it is referred to as the bottomless pit. How many ever like, 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 had this sensation? You wake up and you have the sensation that you're falling. And you're just like, it's, hor it's horrible. 
You see, hell, in hell, you will be alone. You will not go to a party. You will be alone. And you will have the sensation that you are falling for all of eternity. And Jesus said it's the place where the worm never dies. And it says in, in the fire, it's never quenched. It is an abiding place, but it is not a resting place. You, people are alone for eternity. In heaven, it's not what people think. People think in heaven you're going to float on a cloud and wear a sheet and play a harp and there's naked babies with bow and arrows floating around. That's not what heaven is like at all. Not at all. The Bible talks about heaven. It says there's cities. The great people of faith are there. It's a place where you sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're going to get to have reunion with your loved ones in heaven. There's your eternal rewards. There's true happiness. There is eternal joy in heaven. There's perfect health in heaven. The Bible says that we're going to have a body like his glorious body. You know what that means? I'm going to have all my hair back. It's 2020 vision. Six pack instead of a keg. You know, it's going to be perfect. Perfect body. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. And if it were not so, he said, I would have told you. Heaven is a place. It's a real place. Heaven is not a state of mind or a figment of someone's imagination or a philosophical concept or religious abstract or a sentimental dream. Heaven is a place, a real place populated with real people with real gates, with real streets. It's got, it's got buildings. The Bible says there's a river of life that flows right through it. In Revelation chapter 21, John says this, I saw a new heaven, new atmosphere, and a new earth. Because the first atmosphere on earth had passed away. And, and by the way, the Greek word there means it's been transformed. People think they're going to go and live forever someplace else. But listen, listen, listen. What makes heaven heaven is God's city and God himself being there. And the Bible says that that city, the new Jerusalem, is going to come down out of heaven and it's going to come to this brand new earth. And where you are going to spend eternity is not on a cloud wearing a sheet playing a harp. Where we spend eternity is right back here. It is literally the Garden of Eden all over again. That's where we're going to spend eternity. You know, the paradise regained. It's like this earth has been in this 6,000 years, 7,000 years slump. And God's going to recreate it more beautiful, more magnificent. The earth as we have it today, it's cursed. But the Bible refers to the new one as a better country. Again, it talks about the mansions. It talks about the streets. And again, in Philippians, it says, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to do all things unto himself, a perfect body, and no defects, everything exactly the way that it should be. What makes heaven heaven? Uh, one of the things is what's not in heaven. You know, in heaven, there's no war. There's no drive-by shootings, no school shootings. In fact, there's no weapons. There's not even a Band-Aid or a first aid kit. 
No false prophets, no political debates, no political parties. <laughs> yeah, no social anxiety, no prejudice, no depression, no worry, no fear, no pride, no, no hospitals, <laughs> no dentists. I went last week. <laughs> no cavities, no divorce. If you're here, Brad, I love you. Okay. No wrecked cars, no jealousy, no temptation, no prostitutes, no suicide, no eating disorders, no school shootings, no bullying, no hunger, no thirst, no bills, no credit cards, <laughs> no, <laughs> no guilt, no funeral, no regret, no apologies, no sad songs, no fighting, no cancer, no famine, no drugs, no drunkenness, no drape, rape, no sin, no idolatry, no boredom, no discontent, no scars, no shame, no loneliness, and no devil. But the Father and the Son are going to be there. And the Bible says that He will be our God and we will be His people. Say, would you please bow your heads for just a moment? You know, I don't know where every one of you stand with God today. But I know you need to be right with God. John wrote and he said, I've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. See, you need to know today that you are right with God. You shouldn't say, well, I'm going to die and find out if I make it to heaven. You need to know today you're right with God. You're forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. If you're not there, then I'm going to ask you in just a moment to lift your hand. And listen, we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you're going to be right with God. Or you might be here and you have drifted away from God and you need to come back. This is for you. When I say three, I want you to lift your hand. Again, we're going to pray and God's going to meet you right here. Now, as you lift your hand, not to me, you're going to be lifting it to God. And the first thing that you're saying to God as you lift your hand is, God, I know I need a Savior. And I'm coming to Jesus to be saved and to be forgiven. One. As you lift your hand, this is what you're saying. You're saying, God, today, I'm going to give Jesus all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for him. Two. Now get ready. As you lift that hand, you're saying today, by faith, I'm receiving Jesus. He's going to come into my heart, blood wash me from my sin. My past is going to be gone. I'm going to be a part of God's family on my way to heaven. Three. Lift that hand up. Say, include me. Include me. Thank you. I see that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, that hand, and 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 two more over here, another one over here. Somebody else back here. Thank you. God bless you. Right over here to my left. Thank you. Up in the balcony. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Others, pastor, include me. Include me. I'm not right. I want to get right. All right. Would everybody please stand, but nobody moving unless it's absolutely necessary. Now, if you, if you lifted your hand, please look right at me. Would you please move to the aisle that's nearest you? Now, bring whatever you brought and whoever you came with, but make your way right down here. And this is what's going to happen. We're going to pray. God's going to meet you right here. When we say amen, you're going to be right with God. You're going to be forgiven. You're going to be on your way to heaven. This is your day. From the balcony, please make your way down. We will wait for you. Come on down. Come on. Come on. Bring that person that you're with. Make your way down. God 
is going to meet us right here. Jesus said, you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Just give them a hand. They're coming over here to my right, right down this aisle. God bless you. God bless you. Make your way down. From the balcony again, please make your way. We're going to pray. God's going to meet you right here. This literally most important decision right over on this side, right over here. Most important decision you will ever make. Awesome. 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 Come on. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says, this is your verse. All right. Whosoever going to work for you and 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 you. It's going to work for every one of you. It says we'll call on the name of the Lord and we're going to call on his name the way the Bible shows us to. Right. And then this is the best part. We're coming right here. Is God says you do this and here's God's promise. Will be saved. When we say amen, your past is going to be gone. The Bible says you're going to pass from darkness to light, from death to life, right? Instantly, right on the inside. God's going to do something inside, forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven. Awesome. Awesome. So glad you guys made it down. All right. Now, everybody, please take one hand, put it over your heart. Lift your other hand towards heaven. And when everyone pray this out loud and make these words your own, pray this with us. Say, oh, God. I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I'm not going to live for myself any longer. I'm going to live for Jesus every day. And I thank you. You have heard my prayer that you blood washed me from my sin, that my past is gone, that you write my name in the book of life. I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome, awesome.